God, thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness and your mercy. Uh, God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I pray that you would move in this place, that you would drive out any uh, spiritual heaviness, God, um, that we could focus on you, um, Lord, and that your will would be done in the lives of the people that are here because you have a purpose for them to be here, whether they're just driving through and stopping by or whether they're seeking, whether they're not, whether they're here for a guy or a girl or because a family member asked them, God, you have a purpose in their life, and I pray, Father, their hearts would be softened to that and they would be open to what you have to say to them. Lord, I pray humbly, uh, God, first forgive me of my sins, the things I do that get in the way, uh, Lord, and I pray that it wouldn't, and I pray that you'd help me to preach your word and to preach it well, and uh, I don't get in the way of that, and I give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, hey, it's kind of an interesting time here. A um, lot of people sick, so if you're here, don't worry. The sick people aren't, but um, so it's, it's pretty, you've made it. You're in the, I don't know, blessed few, I guess, um, that uh, we, we, we got hit with a sick bug, I guess, this week. And, uh, which is interesting, we, to the point, if you're a guest here, to the point, see, this is how much God loves you, I'm serious, to the point that we considered canceling. Now, you're going to say, why would you do that, Todd? Because there's a ton of staff sick, ton of people sick, then you start thinking, well, I don't want to get other people sick, you know, and then it becomes this big thing, but guess what? We didn't, and guess what? You're here. God did that for you. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, <laughs> half clap. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, it is good. So if you're here um, with that, with the staff stuff, there's been a lot, like, today's kind of crazy for us, if you're a guest. If you didn't notice, great. Um, but, you know, have you ever had, like, say you're a, I don't know, an engineer, right? You can just, you remove one piece, and the whole thing's affected, right? Now you, yeah, yeah, you get it. Now you, you remove, like, seven to ten pieces, and you realize all the little ways that they did things that you never really realized, right? You kind of take for granted. That's what happened today. All the way from the, the computer to my fan. And before you go, why do you need a fan? <laughs> We're already here. Uh, it's just, so I don't know, it's just an interesting, interesting week, especially because we're going to be starting a new series today, which I find that to be an interesting timing as well. Um, <clears throat> don't freeze them, Austin. Uh, <clears throat> hey, it's Austin's fault if it's cold in here, not mine this time. So, yeah, so just kind of threw everyone for a loop. I'm going to ask a question, though. Is anyone kind of, like, coming on the other side of being sick? Raise your hand. Oh, everybody around them is going to run away from you. No. Uh, hey, how about this? This is serious. If you're new, uh, hey, raise your hands, members, the ones of you that are rebellious and just don't want to listen because it will help the new people feel safe. Lindsay, why would you smile when I said that part? Anyway, um, anyone having a heavy week, heavy week, heavy day? Look around. Keep your hand up. Look around. And I say this for a reason. You're not alone. All right? Sometimes when you have those weeks, when you have those feelings, you, get, you, you feel alone, and that like compounds it, makes it worse. You're not alone. And I meant what I said in that prayer, that no matter whether I am a good messenger, not a good messenger, here's the thing. God has a purpose for you to be here today. Because his... <laughs> oh, no, Juju, not today. <laughs> um just uh, everybody, the new people, like, she was just saying yes, but they don't stop there. We'll have a whole conversation. We can't do that. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I love her very much. But, see, Juju, see? Now I'm lost. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, yeah, God has a purpose for you to be here today. He really does. 
And I hope you believe that. If you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to jump right in today. And I think it's interesting that so many of you raised your, your hand that it's heavy week because this wasn't necessarily the, the plan. I didn't plan for this, this series to start on a, on a week where it feels really heavy, but I think it's fitting. Because on heavy times, before we can get right, during heavy times in our lives, during grieving times in our lives, during hard times in our lives, during stressful times in our lives, those moments when like sad, I didn't ask you if you're sad because, you know, I ask you if you're, it's heavy because that's a different word. During those times, if you're in the room and you're a Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian, you're like, I believe in God, wherever that, whatever you think that means, it can make you start, like you, you really realize the difference between who you say you are and who he says he is and what this world is, right? Good people, right? Good people have bad things to them. I mean, have bad things happen to them. You do everything right and something goes wrong. And sometimes in the midst of all that, you can start to ask that question, is this worth it? Right? Even those creepy lies. Have you ever thought how creepy this is? Maybe if I didn't do this stuff, if I wasn't following God, if I wasn't believing, maybe life wouldn't be so hard because it sure doesn't look so hard for all my buddies, all my family, all my friends that aren't following. Their lives are better, easier, whatever. But listen, <clears throat> that's not true. I should tell you that now. But it makes us wrestle with that. I do. Maybe you don't, but I do. I start to question. I can very easily start to question. Where are you, God? And in those moments, kind of two different things can happen. One is it can, it can make us realize that, that this is a broken world and we remember the promises and it, and it gives us encouragement and hope because we know, right, the ending of the story and it doesn't end in tears or stress or worries or fear, right? It ends with what? I will wipe away all, all your tears and there will be no more crying or grieving anymore for the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's the end of the story and that can happen. Or... And I ain't calling anyone out. If you're new here, people think I call people out all the time. Usually they're members of the church. I'm not. Anyway, or it'll, it'll make you start to question and go the other way. It'll make you drift. It'll make you not want to follow him as closely. And here's the thing. Sometimes we lie to ourselves and we say, well, I'm not really falling away. I'm not talking about from salvation. Can't. Newsflash, I'm just going to ruin some of you, or maybe free some of you. You, you. you can't lose something you never earned. It was a gift at the beginning. You didn't earn it, and you can't do anything to keep it. But it can make you sit because you think being safe is better than, than hurting. Right? Being safe is better than than then even those brief moments, it, being safe is better than falling close to God, believing, living your life different. Now the world, let me tell you what the world wants to do. And I hate to say this, but some of you may never get to talk to again. The cultures of the world, and we're going to talk about this, do not align with God's kingdom. They don't. But what's happened is in our culture is that the culture has infected the church in some ways. And what happens in that is we'll start to soften the message. Right? We'll start to soften it. We'll start to make it a little easier to swallow. 
And what they'll do, and it's really subtle, is, okay, so life's hard. But what I can do is if I give you the illusion of control, if I say if you do these right things, if you give this right amount, if you act a certain way, then maybe those hard times will be minimized. You get what I mean? Right? Do this, do that, and God will bless you, right? I do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then you don't realize, and you're kind of like, I kind of like that because it makes me feel like I have some control. And it feels nice, but then there's, a, there's another side to that in which sometimes when you don't do what God wants you to do, when you fail, and you will, what comes with that? Well, if the opposite is you're blessed, if you do it right, which, by the way, you don't even do it right very well. What's the lie when you don't? And they'll fill the pews by just focusing on all these things. And listen, the message of the gospel, I hope you stick with me at the end because this part's not on my notes. Hopefully you can tell, and it's going to, I don't know. I don't know if it'll shock you, but the message of the gospel is wrapped in grief. The message of the gospel is wrapped in mourning first. Right? There, that sounds bad, but that, that's the truth. It's only good news in light of what this world is. You get what I'm saying? You don't realize how bright a candle is, how much you want light, until you're in a dark place for a real long time. <clears throat> God has a purpose for you today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to... We're going to dive right in. Like, what's he talking about? I don't know. We'll see if it ends up making sense. Matthew chapter 3. Hey, can one of you guys back there grab me a cup of water? My mouth is like, and they don't want to hear that all day. Krista, Blake, okay, one of you thinks. <clears throat> I've never done that before. I feel special now. All right. <clears throat> okay, we're going to actually read. I shouldn't tell you this. Just turn to that. You guys heard of this crazy, crazy guy named John the Baptist? In, in the Gospel of Matthew, right before this section, we really hear about Joseph, I'm sorry, Jesus' birth, right? Uh, the Immaculate Conception, this virgin gets pregnant, God comes down, all the crazy stuff that happens there, how really the enemy tries to kill, right? He'll kill all the babies through Herod, and then they have to run. It's a crazy tale. You should go read it, but we're not going to go there. And eventually they come back when it's safe. God tells them you can go back <clears throat> to Nazareth. And we'll start there. Verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. <laughs> repent. Way more awkward. Thank you. We're going to start over. All right. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. The first words we get from John the Baptist, there's no Jesus yet. We haven't seen him. We've heard about him. We don't see him. But this crazy guy, I'm not even going to go, he's dressed in camel hair, he eats bugs, okay? And he's calling to people, and he's telling them a message. And what's the message John the Baptist does, right, or is saying? He says what? The first words we get from John the Baptist recorded here is a command and a call to repent. Now, some of us in the room immediately go, oh, here we go. 
Right? What does repent mean? Repent means turn around, change directions, go the opposite of the way, of the way you're going. Now, for the, just today, I need you to do me a favor. We have a little phrase around here. Take your Christianese earmuffs off. You know the ones you've had on because you've heard this your whole life. You think you know everything. So you hear words like repent, kingdom of God, nah, blah, 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 and then you're like, I don't need to hear anymore. Take them off. Let's pretend this is the first time we're hearing it. Let's piece this together. Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent means turn around, change directions, go the opposite way of the way you're going. So this guy shows up, he's talking to all of you, and he says, hey, repent, you, repent, change directions. Stop going the way you're going. Why? Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's think about that. Let's pretend we don't know. What's the kingdom of heaven? You don't know. Why are you pretending? You don't know, right? The kingdom of heaven has come near. So we go, what does that mean? Now, immediately in your mind, you're all going, it's Jesus. And yes, it's Jesus. I got something for you. You're going to like this, Dave. Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Why? Because so change directions. Why? Because there's this new kingdom coming. And it's almost here. So what does that tell us? Well, if the new kingdom is coming, we're already in whatever kingdom, right? They're in Rome. You're in the United States. You're in church culture, whatever you want to call it, right? And all of a sudden, he comes and he says, repent, because this new kingdom is coming. You need to change directions. What does that tell us about the new kingdom versus the way that we're living? It means what? I was waiting. I thought I would get a yell at that time, right? It's opposite. This new kingdom is in the opposite direction that you and this world goes and is used to going. Now, listen. That's why I get excited. I get to take it off. Let it be new for a second. If you want this kingdom of heaven, just by what he's saying, he's telling you you're going to have to completely change, turn away from the way you're going, change directions. I'm going this way, everyone's going. Turn away and go the opposite way. The call to repent means this new kingdom must be different and require a turn away from the ways of the kingdom of this world. Agreed? Just from this part? You with me? Jocelyn, it was your first time. You like it? No? First time she got her name called. It wasn't because he was bad. She was, seemed very friendly. <clears throat> I do not say the names of the grumpies. <laughs> All right, so then what happens? John the Baptist then baptizes Jesus, and then Jesus heads out alone. Okay, Jesus does show up. We get this cool moment because, you know, he says, oh, my gosh, there's this guy. There's a guy coming. I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. He shows up. He says, Lord, I shouldn't, I shouldn't baptize you. And he goes, right? Essentially, he says, to fulfill the prophecy, do it. There's so much I want. I can't go over everything. This is why. You guys have been used to these like 20-minute sermons. I got to keep her down here. <clears throat> it's been a while. But I will say one thing that's not on the notes. Before Jesus shows up to baptize, he says this. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I and I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Does that say, let me tell you what it doesn't say. He will come and teach you a new religion. And that if you follow these things, you will be a better person. That's not what it says. You know why it says that, Dave? Because you can't be a better person. You can't. You, you can do it for a little bit. No, he has to be more than that. He has to baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Does fire, fire, (laughs) Scooby-Doo, does fire, 
right? Does fire leave things unchanged? It changes it. Listen to him using that as good. It purifies. You're right. But my point right now is what? It makes it different. You can't set something on fire and go, it's the complete same. No. Let's keep moving. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Jesus then heads out alone to fast. Right? Before that happens, when he gets baptized, the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus then was led up by the Holy Spirit. He goes alone to pray right after this big moment, to pray and fast. And here he's tempted by the devil. You guys know that. We'll talk about that later. He, he heads out alone to fast and is tempted by the enemy to forsake God. That's the, that's the bottom line. What the enemy tells Jesus essentially is the opposite of repent. He says, hey, no, 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 no. Go with the world. Go with the world. I'll give you kingdoms. I'll do this. He even uses scripture. Can't talk about that right now. Twists it. If you think the enemy uses scripture to try to twist and tempt Jesus. You think that might happen to you? How do you combat that? Like Jesus did, you have to know it. This is why this goes along. I just add stuff. All right. Now after this, Jesus begins his public... This is supposed to be fast. I'm supposed to catch you up to the point. Here we go. Now after this, Jesus begins his public ministry. All right? So he, gets, he, he makes it. He gets attended to by angels. And he then walks into the city. And he starts doing stuff. He leaves his hometown and begins to travel. And Matthew then tells us that this fulfills the prophecy. He leaves the area of Nazareth and goes to this area that is actually a mixture of people. It's not just Jews. It's filled with There's Gentiles there. Gentiles are non-Jewish people. Do you think the Jews thought it was cool to hang out with Gentiles? No, they didn't. It's important for you to know that. We always are kind of like, oh, yeah. They're, all, they're kind of walking around each other in these cities, but they don't interact. They separate but he goes here, and, he, uh, and it fulfills the prophecy of the Old Testament. We're taking Isaiah and gives us the message of Jesus' preaching. Pay attention. This is big. Matthew 4, all that to get you here, 16 and 17. 16 is essentially the, the part of the prophecy. He says, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That has become one of my favorite sections of the Bible. I'm going to say that again, Christian earmuff people. I'm going to throw it. I didn't bring it. I didn't bring it. Next week, I'm going to chuck a podium. I can do it now, right? <clears throat> Fred made me a podium. I will throw it at you. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. If John's message, when he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near, was just, Jesus is the point, but stay with me. I want to mess with this a little bit. This kingdom of heaven means something in addition to Jesus, right? Or it's something Jesus brings. He's the one ushering in this new kingdom because he himself says, I'm here, and I'm bringing a kingdom with me. Now, most churches, if anything like me, you grow up and you read that and you kind of gloss over it because you think it just means like church. <clears throat> but let's think about this. What's the first thing we are told that Jesus actually preaches? The crux of his message. What is it? Repent, 
because the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the same message. The kingdom of heaven has come. A lot of you in this room, me included, we can think that, and this is how I know we don't look at this, we can think that, that the kingdom of heaven comes after revelation. That's why a lot of you are excited about that. Some of you are all scared of it, right? Some of us, me too, is scary. But a lot of times we want to get to that good part where it come, but here, came. But here's the thing. He already, he already brought it. What else can we take from this, this section? Well, the verse from Isaiah, which is 16, that Matthew references here, right? He, that, he takes that directly from a prophecy in Isaiah. Tells us another clue about the kingdom of heaven. What is that? It's important. It's light to a dark world. Light only comes through this new kingdom. It is saying everyone is in darkness. We need to accept this. Light only comes through the kingdom of heaven. There's no other way to have light except through the kingdom of heaven. A light has dawned, right? What is the darkness also? It's death. Light comes through the new kingdom, and Jesus ushers in this new kingdom. He is the bridge by which we get there. Skipping ahead. But... What else does it tell us? To live in it, to live in the light, to live in life requires repentance. Here it is again. What does that mean? It requires change. Meaning, you can't take a regular old person living in the darkness and the death and they can just come in the kingdom. They can't. They have to be different. Now when you combine that for a second with what I mentioned earlier when he says baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, what does that mean? Does it mean I'll just take this, you know, I don't know, man, take a piece of, of wood, right? I, actually, moms out there, any of you got like fine china? Is that a real thing anymore? Oh, thank you. Good. I've never had it. It's fancy stuff. You're going to come let me put my slobbery dog bowl in there with your fine china? You're going to let me? What if I clean it up real good? No. It's going to take more than just placement, right? Am I wrong? I'm right. Thank you, Kathleen. Appreciate you. All right. <laughs> You cannot stay the same course, friends, listen to me, in the kingdom of heaven and be in this light. Get that from there. I'm building up. It's not even a point yet. You're just getting bonuses. Jesus then goes and calls his first disciples, telling them to follow me. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. If you're Peter in them and you were to hear that, I'm sitting there and he goes, hey, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. He goes, follow me. I'm going to go. He's going to lead me to this kingdom of heaven. Right? He's going to lead me there. <clears throat> then he begins to do work. That's what I call it. He just starts doing work right after this. Repent, and he starts doing things. Matthew 4.23. You got that? You're perfect. Thank you. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. Let me tell you what some of us do. Preaching the good news of trying to earn my way. Preaching the good news of being good enough. If I, preaching the good news of the don'ts. As long as I don't do this, don't do that. Maybe God will let me in. No, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing their disease. The first thing mentioned here isn't the miracles, is it? If I'm telling a story, okay, I've been known to tell one time or two. 
right? If I'm telling a story, all right, I'm not going to start off, all right, I'll say it in sports terminology. You want to like sports? And then I'll say five people. Okay, good. You shouldn't be watching the Super Bowl tonight. Uh, <clears throat> if I'm telling my, you know, glory days, thinking of Dave, I still think about him calling me an athlete that still thinks he is, whatever he said to me, burn me. I don't start with all my bad plays, right? I don't start with even the normal plays. I lined up in this hole. I was in my correct assignment. I'm starting with the place where I jumped over the guy, blocked the field goal, ran it back for a touchdown. I'm starting with the good stuff, so you're like, ooh, he's good. I want to get your attention. So what does that tell you? That the first thing mentioned isn't the miracles, but it's the teaching and preaching of the good news, which means what? It must be pretty important. And it also tells us something important that I think we take for granted, that the kingdom of heaven coming near, listen, friends, is good news. It's good news. It's good news to be a Christian. It's good news to follow God. It's good news. It's good news, but here's the thing. It doesn't feel good all the time. And the reason it doesn't feel good all the time is because we can lose sight of what he's actually done for us and is doing. But that happens in a variety of ways, and I'm going to tell you the number one way, guys, and this is an epidemic among Christians. We and you don't read your Bible. So what you do is you hop on your TikTok, you hop on your Instagram, you hop on TV, and some random person tells you a snippet about God, and it very rarely is the entirety of the good news of the gospel. And so what happens when you're away and you don't know the truth is you begin to what? You begin to to get pulled away. And we lose sight of things. And, and some of you are like, Todd, I'm not, stay with me. I know I'm painting half a picture, but it's important that you know that the gospel's called good news. So if Christianity, if faith doesn't feel good, what does that say? Why, why did he lie? It's something on our end. The miracles were secondary to the good news. They were just glimpses of how good the good news really is. Isn't that wild? Essentially, the healings and the miracles are just propping up how good the good news is. They're just propping up the kingdom of heaven. They weren't even the point. Did you know that? They were not the greatest miracle that Jesus offered. And that's why people, well, if I could see this, I could see that. He does miracles. He transforms people. The miracles were to make people pay attention to the good stuff. What's the good stuff? The gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Stay with me. It's not even the point yet. This is technically the intro. This, I'll go fast. A couple years ago, we did a series called the Kingdom Series. It's still online. And to me, it revolutionized my faith. It changed my life, weirdly, because it changed the way I looked at everything. It changed the way when I started studying this more. And I've been a Christian a while, and, it, and I didn't, I'm not saying it wasn't, I didn't know the gospel before I got it, but like there was freedom in this. There was freedom. So this new series, which we don't have up today because the pre- people that make our title slides are sick, that's what I mean, little cogs, right? For the kingdom. Over the course of this series, we're going to look at not just the kingdom like we did before in the traits. We're going to look at the how of the kingdom, all right? We're going to look at the how of the kingdom, 
What does it look like to live, act, and move through this life in light of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is near? What does that look like for you? What does it look like for us? And I'll tell you this. This is not in here too. You know, I tease the kids a lot. Our kids are awesome. But a lot of times, you know, parents are like, hey, I want my kid to, you know, pay attention. I want my kid to see this. And I want my kid to, let me ask you a question. Do they see joy in your life as you pursue Jesus? Do they see a transformed life? Or do they see two different worlds? I'm not talking about your failings. Over the course of this kingdom, we're going to look at the how of the kingdom. What are kingdom folk or Christians called to be? What does it look like to live, act, and move through this life in light of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is near? If it was important to Jesus, it needs to be important to us, and it was important enough to Jesus that he started his entire public ministry by saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. However, before we do that, we need to sort of define the idea of the kingdom of heaven and the traits of those who live there, right? So I have to kind of do a little bit of a recap. And the traits of those who live there, and we're going to do that by starting with the first portion of Jesus' first fully recorded sermon in Matthew. What do you think that is? Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I was just making fun of you, Bethany. Anyway, yeah, she's right. Sermon on the Mount. We're going to study this. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse, um, if you're on your phone, right now we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 which is a section they call the Beatitudes. Some of you all think it actually was like B-attitude, didn't you? Like be good attitude. I know you did. Anyway, here we go. Before this, in 425, we see that large crowds have started to follow him, probably due to the miracles because they believe this guy we should listen to. So he takes the opportunity that he's got the crowd, and we start in verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up, on the mountain, and he sat down. His disciples came, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, <clears throat> saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now I'm going to call you out. Do you know what this means? Like, think it to yourself as we go. Let's not run from it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Ooh, there's that word. You want the kingdom of heaven? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Todd, I thought you said you didn't have to do things to get there. Stay with me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm reading from the CSB. I'm sorry if I didn't tell you guys that. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Is that how it works? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You think, think that's, what if that's, what, what do you think that means? You think it's just like a poem? I don't think it is. Let's, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Hmm. And one of the things before we go on that I think is really cool in, in the Hebrew, and you know me, I'm always a, I'm pretty much like if it's in English, we should be able to understand the English, but sometimes the stuff's pretty cool. It's not conditional. 
Well, sometimes, like, sometimes that can be conditional, right? If you're merciful, it'll be shown. But really, it's more of a, uh, how do I say this? More of like a fact. Like, oh, how blessed are those who mourn. That would be how I really get it, right? Oh, those that mourn are so blessed. Those that, it's not, it's not a condition as much as it is, um, hmm. it's not conditional as much as it is a condition that someone has naturally, right? Those that mourn will be comforted. That's important to come back. So let's go through this really quick. So he sits down, and clearly he starts talking about this kingdom of heaven again. It must be important. What does it mean? Does it mean just go to heaven? Let's, let's think. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What's poor in spirit? Poor in spirit is more than just, that doesn't mean look down on yourself. It doesn't even mean sad. Poor in spirit means fully aware of their need. Fully aware of their need outside of themselves. That they have a need they cannot fulfill. The translation is kind of like a beggar. Someone who is so aware of their situation, they know there is nothing they can do to change it. That they need outside assistance. So to be poor in spirit means there's something inside of me that I cannot fix myself, no matter how many rules I follow, no matter how many uh, you know, sacrifices I make. Do you think there were people in the crowd, probably like there's people in the crowd now that say, well, well I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I'm better than him or her. But that's what this poor in spirit, it doesn't, it doesn't do a comparison, does it? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that acknowledge their need. Blessed are those who mourn. What does it mean? Okay, once I've seen my need, my spiritual condition, that evil part of you, do you have parts inside of you that you don't know why they're there still? Right? No matter how hard you try, you feel like you're not good enough, and then you'll do something that kind of backs that thought up, right? Or don't do something. People don't, most people see, before you get, you think, oh, everyone more, you know, is poor in spirit. No, they're not. People don't want to admit their need for something. Religious people, this would have been shocking. Religious people don't need anything. They have their religion. Well, my dad is a Christian. My mom is a Christian. I've been in church my whole life. I am this, I am that. But have you ever come to the place that you realize your need? Even you guys. You understand? If you understand what I'm saying, then there's an accountability there. So then those that see it, blessed are those that don't just see it, but they mourn over that evil in them. They don't just hide it. They don't justify it. But they grieve over it. I don't, I need something. I don't want to be this way. Right? That's mourning. Deep grief. What does he say? What's going up? Blessed are the poor in spirit. They'll get to the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When you can see your situation, I know it hurts you, but I will comfort it. Who will comfort it? We'll see. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. I say, I'm poor in spirit. I know my need. I mourn over it. I don't get prideful. I don't justify. I need help. They will inherit the earth. Does the world teach that? 
Does the world teach if you're humble? Come on now, man. Even, like, I've been told, if you heard these messages before, right? If you don't speak up for yourself, nobody will. Rise to the top. Do whatever it takes. You ever actually think of that phrase, do whatever it takes? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is another, like, that sounds nice, but we're like, oh, it sounds fancy. Starving for it. Would do anything for it. Crave it. Do you? Do you? Well, let's follow this along. If someone is poor in spirit, they know their need, they mourn over it, they grieve over it, they know they need help, they, they recognize not just their evil, but they recognize the goodness of God, and they want that more than what? Than anything. They want to be, we're not talking about their ability to be that. They want that. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not looking holy. Righteousness, rightness with God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'm, I'm trying to paint. If someone who sees their need, realizes what they are, understands they're not righteous, but wants it. If you were living in that mindset and you see someone in need, do you think that type of person will be moved to help others? Of course they would. Have I lost you already? I'll go take a nap too. You with me? You're either in deep thought or asleep or thinking about the chiefs. I don't know which it is, right? Yeah. There. All right. Three people. Okay. That's good. <clears throat> Blessed are the merciful, they show mercy. So let me tell you something about the world before you know. Everybody's like, everyone, like, the world doesn't show mercy. We live in cancel culture. Do you understand what cancel culture is? You did something so wrong that if we could kill you and get away with it and erase your existence from this earth, we would. Well, the church doesn't do that. They don't. What happens when someone sins? Huh? What happens when a leader sins? What happens when so-and-so does something? Nine times out of ten, they're either kicked out of the church or they're made so ostracized and pushed out and whispered about that guess what? They leave on their own. Is that mercy? If you recognize who you are without Jesus, how could you ever sit yourself in the seat of the judge when you realize you've only been pardoned through the actions of the Savior? And yet we do that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. So now we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you said I have a need. I have all these things. You're right. The pure in heart will see God. Pure desire. The desire. Heart means mind, too, to the Hebrews. So heart would mean it's not about being pure yet, right? Because it doesn't say pure. You know what I mean? Not clean, Jill. What it means is do you... Does their hearts, their minds desire, do you truly want that? Do you want to be pure? Do you want to follow him? And I'll bring it to you guys now, Christians in the room. Do you want to be like him or do you want to sound like him? What it's describing here is someone who so much desires to be pure that they seek it, they want it. They're not even content with the standards around them. They say, oh, that's okay. If you're confused a little, good, because I'm going to wrap it up for you later. How, I don't understand this. 
I can't earn it, but I'm supposed to be this, blah, that. Yeah, that's the point. He's making a point here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Ooh, you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You want to be pure. You get filled. And then he says what? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of that righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Why do you think it says that? Well, someone that's actually filled with righteousness in a world that's unrighteous, guess what? They don't fit in. They don't fit in. Do you know what happens when you don't fit in? Now, everybody's going to be like, we always accept the outcast. No, you don't. We kick them out. That's best case. Now, all of a sudden, let's imagine you're trying to tell somebody who thinks they're pretty good that they're not really good. You think they want to talk to you? You tell them they're evil when they think they're good. You tell them they have a need when they've got everything they ever wanted, right? We'll go down verses 11 and 12. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's some of you in this room who really love Jesus, and you try to live it, and you even live the parts that, that the normal Christian doesn't like. You call that out. And I mean normal Christian culture. Because you know that? Like, you got the world, then you got the Christian culture that tries to pretend, like, and I'm talking about the, the false one. And, they, and then when you start bringing up stuff like forgiveness of even the bad ones, when you try to live, let's say you're a woman, in the room, and you're like, you're not going to like this. I might lose some of you now, but hey, be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord. Ooh, we don't like that. When you do that, the women around you, what do they do? They tell you're weak. They mock you. Don't, we know they do. They act like you're getting abused, right, all that stuff. That's persecution because it makes it harder for you to do what Jesus has told you to do, doesn't it? And you already have a hard enough time on your own, right, when he's being a knucklehead. Yeah, I get it. Or guys, sacrifice. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. To look at a woman with lust is to commit adultery with her. We're not even to that part. You see what I'm saying? You start talking about these things. See, they'll, they'll condemn the adulterer. They'll, they'll, they'll kill him. They will. But they don't want to really talk about what the root of that is. Because you know why? That's a, leveling, that's a level playing field. You know why? Because all of you have done that. You're blessed when they insult you. And what he's saying is, they've always persecuted the people of God. This world has always done that. They're going to make you feel like you don't fit in. And it gets really confusing because like, we live in Indiana where everyone says they're a Christian. So if you don't know the word, sometimes you can get really confused because even Christians will start to steer you away from the truth. You're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me and be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. 
See, some of you in this room are being persecuted, and you need to know that, that God sees you. Don't give up. Persecution can look different. It can look like what happens in other countries all the way to the death, and it can also look like the whispers and the rumors and the slandering and all those things. Now, here's the hard part. <clears throat> blessed, 10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. If no one ever gets upset at you, are you really following him? I'm not saying go out there and try to stir trouble, okay? But I'm saying, are you the person that's like, oh, no one's ever, it's, Because the truth of the kingdom of heaven is offensive. Because it goes against everything that this world tells you. See, the world tells you focus on what? Self-esteem. God says, you can't esteem yourself. Let me do it. I'll esteem you, right? To die, right, is to live all of these things. It all starts to make sense if you're like, I have no idea what's going on. You got to come back. I'll piece it all together. Don't give up. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is there. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. What else can we see about that? What else can we see? <laughs> this stuff is the complete opposite of the world. You guys take your Christian earmuffs off. I'll say it again. If I'm at your workplace and not in church and I come up to you and say, hey, man, hey, be humble. Let that guy stomp all over you. It's okay. Right? Blessed are you when, you when you know that you're not good enough on your own. Be meek, humble, pure in heart, peacemakers. By the way, peacemakers, you've been here, guess what, guess what word, what's the root of that word you think? You were here, it's a message around Christmas, shalom. It's not about not fighting, it's deeper than that. Blessed are those who bring wholeness who bring the message of wholeness, who bring peace to situations. Stay with me. I'll wrap it up here. Keep going. You are the salt, verse 13 says. So he goes right from all these things. This would be confusing. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything to, but, but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let's, 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 let's not view this as separate. There's a lot here, right? There's a lot here. And, and honestly, a whole sermon can be on the salt of the earth, lie of the world, I've probably done that, but that's not my point today. My point is that saying all these things, right, there's almost, a, um, there's almost a process that happens here. Do you see it? Someone that admits a need, someone that grieves over their sin, someone that's humble enough to call for help, someone that wants to be righteous but they don't know how, right? Keep going. They, they want shalom. They want to bring shalom. It's a response to the gospel, isn't it? And he says, hey, you're going to be persecuted. Let's put this all together. This is all one thing. Hey, you're going to be persecuted, essentially, because the implication we get from this is if you follow him truly and you're filled with righteousness, you're going to be persecuted. 
in some capacity. Life's not going to always be easy by the world's standards. They're going to kind of come against you. Now, the good news is, what did he say the second half? I will provide for you, right? They will be provided for. They will be comforted. They will be filled. But then, here after the repentance, he then says something else. You're the salt of the earth. The salt should lose its taste. You're the light of the world. What do we know? What does salt do? Salt stands out. It changes whatever it's put into. It changes it. Of course, when you go into a situation with unbelievers, you're going to look different. Sometimes that might even be with a church or with Christians. You're going to look different. To do this and to follow him and to really turn your back in as we go on in this series, like this is the setup. I'm telling you, you need to come back because then we're going to start looking at what he actually tells us to do. And you then realize what the gospel is. You're the salt of the earth, but the salt should lose its taste if it stops being different. If it stops, what is its purpose? It's not good for anything. Salt that isn't salty, let's think this through. What are you putting on your, I don't know, your chili, your french fries? White sand? Ugh. Right? Salt don't have a purpose. Well, I can melt some ice with it. No, you can't. It's not salt. Right? It loses its saltiness. It has no purpose. It just looks white. It just looks clean. It just looks pure. It just looks different. But at the end of the day, it's no different. I could put it in with sugar, take a bite, and it just tastes like sugar. Now, see, what the world does is they take this, all of this together, the religious world, the aspect of it, let's say the the religious church culture, and I believe there is a false gospel prevalent in the church today, and this may offend some of you. That's okay. Any Christianity that has based your salvation on you is false. There is only one thing you can do, and it's respond to the call of the Holy Spirit and be transformed. All of this is not describing things you must do to be saved. It's describing how one can be saved and be put into the kingdom of heaven. And then what it will look like because there is a cost. Because turning your back on the system of the world means the world don't like you. But what does he say? And why is this important? Because he's saying, listen, there's going to be people that say this. And he's, remember, it's not just preaching. Like when I read this, it's to me. He's talking to you. He's saying, listen, you must know. People are always like, did I lose my salvation? Did I do this? No. Here's, here's the key. Christianity is, our faith journey for a believer is a constant journey of recalibration. We start to lose our saltiness a little bit, we dive into salt, right? We back, we're back, we're back, we're back. But if you don't do anything, if you don't look any different, if you don't shine at all, if you don't taste any different, if you don't look any different, if you don't bring light into dark places, if you're not willing to ruffle the feathers of the elite, if you're not willing to ruffle the feathers of those people who want to condemn, who don't want to tell the whole gospel, if you're not willing to ruffle the feathers of the lost and the hurting and the dying, by telling them they have a need for a savior, then the kingdom of heaven might not be for you. This is deep, I know, and I, and, and I hope you're hearing me because it doesn't just say, blessed are those who look like they're poor in spirit. Blessed are those who look humble. The message, listen friends, this is something that 
I didn't coin this and make it, but, but I thought about this a few years ago, and you may have heard it, and it, it's mind-boggling. Make no mistake, you yourself are never, ever, ever sitting in the place of the judge. You are never, ever, ever standing on the mountaintop preaching to the masses with Jesus as you read this. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad you're helping them. We are always the poor in spirit. And I can tell you right now, there's people in this room. And you may be saved, but you've lost a little of your saltiness because somewhere along the line, when you start comparing yourself to a hobo guy like me, you're, you, you look pretty good compared to me. I'm not, I'm not a great guy. But the problem is, I'm not the standard. You're the salt of the earth. You're going to look different. You're the light of the world. What does he mean? Well, if I put light in a dark room, it always stands out. People can see exactly what it is. But here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something. You don't want to stand out. You don't. You want to stand out on Sundays, but not on Mondays. And even on Sundays, you don't really want to stand out. You kind of want to come in. I used to do this, too. It's so funny now that I'm a pastor, which I never thought I'd be. You bolt. You run as soon as this sucker's over because you hope I don't come do that handshaking thing. You know that's why I don't do that? Because I remember that fear of, like, he's going to come find me and, like, talk to me for 20 minutes. You're always willing to come to me. I want to talk to you. I'm just not going to force it, right? <clears throat> My point of all this, I need to move fast. Some of you guys are used to that. It's good stuff, man. Those guys did a great job the last few weeks, and they did it in, like, concentrated orange juice. I had a professor that said that, you know. Jericho's like, hey, I don't really want you to ever preach again, Todd. I need these. <laughs> He didn't say that exactly, but kind of. Anyway, but then he'd turn on them, too. That's just how it works. I'm just just kidding. He's a good guy. Okay, i got to quit rambling. Here we go. I'm going to give you a list because we need to talk about the kingdom before we can really get into what this series is. This ain't what this series is about, Jill. Are you confused, you think? David, did I confuse this? Now, be real with me, David. Okay. (laughs) All right, keys to the kingdom right here. we got a list for you. I know you love lists. You like that? Sean, keys to the kingdom. Huh? Diane, I see you smiling. You like that. You'll remember that. Keys to the kingdom. Alliteration. English class. Read a book. All right, here we go. Keys to the kingdom. Number one. Number one. In order to, to, to get into, from what we're seeing in just this section, to get into this, to, to accept the kingdom of heaven, to be with Jesus, to be in the kingdom of heaven where there's light and there's forgiveness and, and what? Not death. Because remember, don't forget, those that aren't in the kingdom of light are going to die. You can theologian me all you want. At the end of the day, that's what it is. If you are not with Jesus, you will die. Number one, what are the keys to kingdom? It requires repentance. And what does repentance mean? Change. It, has to, it seems to require change. It requires a complete shift in the direction of my life. Sometimes, right, if I'm going one way and I turn around, I'm going the opposite way. Now, I can get lost, right, and I might end up back the other way. If I'm trying to get over here, though, am I just going to go, all right, well, that's okay. No, I'll turn back around. It means repentance. It means change. It means changing the direction of your life. It, what else does it tell us, too? It, it requires humility, 
By the way, I'm going to go back to change. Some of you all are really good. What you do is you rest on the fact that, like, well, I change the things I'm comfortable changing. The thing about Jesus that I both love, and I don't want to say hate, right? I'm not supposed to say it as a pastor, but it's hard, is he wants the thing you don't want to give up. He does. Because that's the thing we're tempted to make an idol. Sometimes he gives it back, right? And sometimes he doesn't. But that's what he wants. He wants the change that's hard for you. He wants the direction that you struggle to give, not because he's, he's cruel, but because you've put too much into that. Two, it requires humility. What is humility? You have to understand and rely on God himself. God. Number three, kingdom values oppose the world's values. They're completely opposite. I'm going to say that again. They oppose the world's values, guys. I get the temptation. I don't like it either. There are literally times, certain things that I preach on. This just happened. Uh, I think it was in November. You know, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I say a lot of things. I have a big mouth. I can just shoot off the mouth sometimes. <clears throat> but the times that I've gotten the most flack and hate are literally when it's directly from the Bible, and I just say it loud. Because things in this culture, right, you already know it. What are things right now that you wouldn't feel real comfortable standing up and working saying if it came down to it? Oh, yeah, I want everyone to turn away from their sin, but there's a few sins that we're supposed to accept because that's just who they are. Kingdom values oppose the world's. Number four, Christians will stand out. Will. If you don't, I don't know your heart, but you, you probably ought to start working out your salvation with some fear and trembling. And you need to be thinking about whether you, you know of Jesus or you know him. And more importantly, does he know you? You will stand out. I am a peacemaker. You, I love it. Some of y'all grab that peacemaker and say, I'm just going to sit back in Jesus. But no, that's not what it means. Because what's the, who's the only person? You ready? You like this, Luke? We talked about this. Who's the only person that brings shalom? Christ. Salvation. The Savior. He is the only one. God, from Old Testament now, is the only one who brings shalom, wholeness, true peace in every way. So in order to be a peacemaker, a peace bringer, you must bring Christ. And Christ, what'd they do to him? They set him up and give him a crown and give him a nice car and a Lamborghini and a nice house. No, they killed that dude. One of the craziest things in the Bible, and it's so true, man, they're hitting him. And there's a section where Jesus looks up at him and says, for what things are you hitting me for? And it says they got enraged and hit him again because they don't even know. People are sometimes going to hate you if you want really want this, and it hurts, and you don't even know why. The worst is when it's family. You try to, like, they ever had family that, like, aren't Christian? The more you try to love them, the more they hate you? There's scripture later that said Jesus himself, we'll, we'll probably touch on this, says the darkness, right, hates the light. Talks about this in John, the beginning of the Gospel of John. The light came and the darkness hated the light because they, they wanted to practice their sin. And Jesus brings light and makes us look in the mirror and say, we're not as good as we pretend to be. Number five, because of your standing out, Christians will face persecution for standing out. It's going to happen. You can't have it both ways. 
you might go years, you might go a long time, but eventually the rubber meets the road and you'll have to make a choice. Who will you stand with? I had a friend, she's in here, I'm not going to say her name, message me. We're kind of having a dialogue about the mark of the beast that comes in Revelation, if you don't know what that is. See, come around. I know you want to hear that series. It's coming. One of the things about it, as we're kind of talking about it, is like that's what that ends up being. You know, people think, well, I would never do that. You won't? How many concessions do you make at work just to fit in and get that promotion? How many concessions do you make at night when no one's looking? And I'm not saying that to, to, to scare you, but I'm saying some of you, it's a fact. We know it because Jesus preached it to people. There are, there are goats and sheep in the church. There are even people who think they're sheep who will say, look at all these cool things I did for you, Lord. Didn't I prophesy? And he'll say, get away from me. I never knew you. Because the proof's in the pudding. The proof, unfortunately, comes in the what are you willing to sacrifice? So we need to take these things seriously before the time comes when you may be told, Take this mark and worship me, and I will give you food and all the things of this earth. Don't, and I'll kill you. It's not about a chip, right? Who cares how it comes? All these things, you're going to know the choice you're making. You're not going to be tricked. You're going to know what you're doing. And some of you need to face the reality that you're already doing it and get right now. Six, our lives should light the way to Jesus in the kingdom. Right? You're a light. You, your life should point to Jesus because of the fact that you're different. I should meet you, and I do this, dude. Sometimes I meet some of you guys, and it's only some. That's okay. I still like you. But some of you guys are so bright that I meet you and walk away and go, man, that person knows Jesus. I can be a stranger. I've literally met people come to church, shake my hands, like, they know him. They're different. <clears throat> I want to be that way. Do you? Do you hunger for righteousness that way? That you want to be that way? That someone meets you and before you don't even sometimes have to say Jesus and they walk away and go, something different about that person. <clears throat> Points the way. Seven, God loves you. And this is where I, I, I started. We're going to end there. God loves you, sees you, mourns with you. And even though there's a cost to all these things, don't forget the second half that he will provide for you that he will never leave you or forsake you, that even in your grieving, he's not sitting there going, I am so sorry bad things happen. He understands. You know what they call Jesus? The man of sorrow. He knows what it is to grieve and hurt. He had friends turn against him. He had family turn against him. You know, he was fully God and fully man, and we sometimes get caught up in the God part, like he's just floating around. You don't think he had doubts? We know he did. Why? Look at the garden. He hasn't forgotten you. I know it's hard. Lord knows I know it's hard. And you mess up, right? And then people are going to grab that. And they're going to say, look at you. Josh shared a meme. I don't hate social media, but it's pretty good, right? And it says, when someone comes and goes, you're a sinner, what are you doing in church? And it's like, uh, that's why I'm here, right? It's a gist of it. That's good stuff. He hasn't forgotten you. You haven't outsinned him. When you come to truly know him, because you've been transformed. I can take a piece of gold, and I can throw it in the mud. I can kick it. I can hit it and try to scratch it. I can use the bathroom on it and all those things. But at the end of the day, if I hand it to you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to take that gold. You're going to run home with it. You're going to worry about it, because its value isn't about what it, where it's been or even when it's done. Its value is inherent. 
And the gospel is not about being good enough to be considered gold. It's about being transformed into gold, and the outside eventually matches the inside. The complete opposite of every other religion that says, if you do these external things enough, maybe the inside will eventually be good. And with that, number eight, the kingdom wins. When it gets hard, when it gets tough, when you want to walk away, when the grief seems so heavy, come back and read the word. Friends, the reason some of you struggle so much in the world to follow Jesus, you've been hurt by the church, me too. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. We have to come back to his word. Go and read his word. You live in one of the greatest times in history. I don't like to read, by the way, that's so ridiculous. But let's say that's you. Cool. Audible. Right? Listen to it. Hear the truth and be reminded of the good news of the gospel. And that leads me to this. And I usually don't do this in, in, I do this in kind of a backwards order. But I, but I guess I'll, I'll just, I want you to truly be encouraged that all of this, the kingdom, you haven't just been like temporarily made better. You have been forever made righteous in Christ. Holy, sanctified. Sanctification loses meaning. We're like, that sounds like a fancy word. It means you are literally holy because of him. And as soon as that happened or happens, he'll never let go of you. And some of you are so bitter and frustrated at this world that you've let it dim your light. When the truth is, what did he just say? In the midst of that darkness, your light shines even brighter. And he promised to take care of you. He did. I will never leave you or forsake you. That he has plans for you. Good plans, right? For his purposes, but plans. And we have to trust that. That's faith. And the temptation is to be our own. Like I see it in the church all the time in this. The, the thing about this, this county and the reason I feel so called, you know, foreign missions are so important. But my goodness, dude, this town is terrifying to me because it's such a part of the culture, church, that there are people that understand the social benefit of going to church. It's a networking place. Right? And that's a fact. You want to get ahead in business, get you in a good church. What's a good church where the most people are? And there are big churches that are good, okay? Because, hey, I'm just saying, it's not always the case. Here's my question. Do you live in light of the kingdom of heaven? Do you? Or are you stuck here? You look around at the darkness so much, you forget you shine? You think, you think, you think this surprises him, what's going on in your life? You think it's out of his control? Listen, he set the sun in the sky. I think he can handle your problems. The church hurts you. Christians hurt you. Me too. Sometimes I hate them. And then God says, oh, by the way, you are one. I'm like, oh, yeah. Right? Sometimes they're misled. But that's why we are merciful, because we've been given mercy. Because I know I'm a jerk, <laughs> you know? Sometimes I'm, I'm mean to people. But do you live in light of the kingdom of heaven? Because it's already here. It's near. Do you stand out? Are you actually in it? Not because your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. Not because your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Not because you go to church here. Not because you're a part of a program. Do you know Jesus? 
You stand out because if you know Jesus and are known by him, regardless, even if it's a little bit, you might be one of them flickering balls, but you still shine. Right? Sometimes it takes a little bit for that light bulb to get screwed in all the way, right? For those struggling or hurting, I want you to remember that God is with you and he is for you. That's a fact and I've seen it. The goodness of God is always encouraging and protecting and we can rejoice. We can rejoice. There's been a lot of people, family members in this church who've had people pass away. Those are hard moments, man. Those are hard moments. Because no matter how much you know the truth, you have to still go, why does it have to be this way? And you can get mad at God until you realize it's going to be this way regardless. He's the one that's going to fix it. He's the one that gives us hope. He's the one that gives us life. And if someone's in Christ, the only person when they pass, the only people that are grieving are us because they're not. So some of you all is like, wow, okay, I understand, I don't understand. I'm going to say it really. Here's the gospel. You want the real gospel? I'm going to tell you the real gospel. And I, I, you, some people go, why do you say this every week and talk for 45 minutes? I'll tell you why. I have a friend who works. I've heard it a lot, but he's really impacted me lately. He's probably watching it. He, he works in a, in a business here in town, a, a national chain. And he works because we're in Columbia City, Indiana, with tons of people from Columbia City, Indiana. And they go to church because why? They're in Columbia City, Indiana. And he asks them. Because this guy's really good at just having natural conversations. He's a bold dude. And so he'll say, when he finds out, he's like, oh, cool, what do you think about the gospel? Not because of being a snot or tra- trapping someone. He's just trying to have a talk. You know what he's told? What, oh, it's a, what, is the, what is the gospel? Well, what, it's, it's good. Well, what is the gospel? Uh, the Bible. Being kind. They say that. Then he asked one, uh, uh, hey, you know, do you, do you guys do a gospel presentation? Oh, well, there's a section over there for someone that wants Jesus. He goes, yeah, but do you, do you ever, does anyone ever tell you it? Like, actually say it? And they're like, oh, no, that, we don't do that. Almost like it's weird. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> Otherwise, you should just go, like I said, I'm, I always make fun of Oprah. I don't know why. Go watch Oprah. She'll tell you some good thing to do, right? Go read a book on 12 steps to be better, Right? Here's the gospel. God created everything and he made it perfect and good. And when things were perfect and good, we were perfect and good because we were in relationship. We walked with him. And there wasn't any worry or doubt or shame. And there was one rule in the world then. Make no mistake. One law. You ready? The law is I am God and you're not. I will tell you what right and wrong is. That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. And the enemy, as he's always done, came down and he, he tricked them. Because remember, God said it's good, didn't he? Remember that? And the seventh day he said it's good. So they knew what good was. So what the enemy tricked them into was evil. And when we chose to disobey God, when we said we know better than God, like a branch snapped off a tree, we were separated from him. We sinned and committed a crime against God. Now before you say that's all crazy, we have something called treason in this country. When you betray your people, what happens? It's a death penalty. And because of that, all of you in this room, including me, are under a death penalty for rejecting God. And we've done it our whole lives. All of humanity, thousands of years of human existence has been what happens when the creation walks away from the creator. And we see the natural consequences of when we tried to be God of this world. And now we have War and murder and death and pain and all of those things. It's the natural consequence. 
So what did God do? You know, what we tried to do is we recognized that we're not close to God. So throughout human history, we've created these religions. I'll try to get to him. I'll build a little tower. I'll build a little, you know, I'll do this and that, and I'll get there, and it'll be good. But it never works because we can't fix what's inside. So what did God do? God had a plan that when we were separated from him, listen, the Bible says it very clear. You think you're a good person? Your best acts are as filthy rags unto the Lord. If the standard's perfection, you're not perfect. I heard it said this way once. I like it. All right, if me, I used to be Michael Jordan is the way I heard it, but whoever else, right? Me and Michael Jordan in his prime are trying to jump to the moon. It doesn't matter. He jumps a little higher than me. We're no closer to the moon. You're a sinner. What does the Bible say? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single person in this room. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You will die. Hell is real. Well, how could a good God send it? He doesn't. He gives you the choice. Hell is real. Separation from God. You can come on up. So in the midst of this misery, in the midst of this death that we live in, and all the, the things in this world, when we couldn't get to the moon, the moon came to us. When we couldn't get to God, God came to us. God invaded this earth, the domain of darkness, as it says in Scripture, and he brought the kingdom of heaven with him. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He was born of a virgin to prove the prophecies. When God, they foretold who was going to come and be the Savior, Jesus taught us how to live, taught us what the kingdom is like, taught us what good is, and then he did something incredible. He offered us a way to become good. People say all the time, man, why are you so, I guess, I've heard this before, why are you so angry? I'm not angry, I'm passionate, that's what I say. Because I know what it was, I was old enough to know what it was to be dead. And to accept it and to see the new life. So Jesus, what did he do? We killed him. He died on the cross, a horrible physical death, but also a spiritual death in a way. As he experienced something none of you in this room, no matter how much you hate God, has ever experienced. And that is the complete absence of the Father. The Father turned his back on him towards Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we never have to be. Jesus died on the cross, dead. No historian in this earth will tell you that Jesus of Nazareth didn't live and didn't get crucified. Whether they believe it or not, it's a fact. So now here's the part that they want to fight you on. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. He appeared to over 500 witnesses. That's more people that, than saw Washington cross the Delaware, but you believe that. 500 people saw the risen Christ. He conquered death. He took on that cross your sin, your punishment, your wages that you've earned. And in return for that, he will give you a gift. What do you mean? How do I do this? What do you mean? Listen, you've got to reverse the decision we all made before. You've got to come before him poor in spirit and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not God. You are. Please forgive me. Save me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, right? If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I told you earlier that one of the verse said that the wages of sin is death. That's true. But there's a second part that's really, really cool. The wages of sin is death, but what? The free gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything to earn it today. 
because the beauty is nobody can. So you're going to get an opportunity. I know we're late. If you got to leave, cool. It's my first week back. I'll cut it down to 30 minutes next week. All right? I really will. I know you don't believe me. Come and see. Come and see. Anyway, you'll get an opportunity here today. Right? I can't take away this opportunity. I'm sorry. If you don't know Jesus, friends, I was you. Somebody made me, everybody close your eyes, raise your hand, and told me to go back behind the door. I didn't know it was back there. I never went to church. It was creepy. I'm not even going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you there's people up here willing to pray with you. Give you the opportunity to know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're saved. If you're in this room and you're a believer, and maybe you've been dimming your light, maybe you've been losing your saltiness, repent today. You can do it again. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.